Welcome back to our series, Help, I Feel So, as we look at the, some different emotions and feelings that, that can capture our hearts and control our behavior. Uh, if you're just joining us today, it is our last week, but I'm going to begin the same way that I've begun every single one of these messages, and that is to say that feelings aren't bad. Emotions aren't bad. God created you and me as uh, emotional creatures. Human beings have emotions because God created us that way. And as we open up Scripture and we, we flip through the pages of Scripture, we see that God himself has emotions. We see God rejoice. We see God mourn. We see God call himself a jealous God. We see God rejoice over us with singing. God is an emotional being, and he's created us with emotions as well. So emotions and feelings aren't bad. What is bad is when those emotions and feelings capture our hearts, captivate us, and control our behavior. Because generally speaking, when behavior is driven from, especially the emotions we've looked at in this series, our behavior ends up not being godly behavior. And so what we want to do in this series is is we're noticing, naming, and navigating through the different emotions that we face. And then we're looking at the promises of God and how he draws us in and brings our heart peace. Today we look at our last one, help. I feel so offended. Over the last couple of years, our culture has gone to a very offended culture where we have things now known as safe places where you can go, where you don't hear other people's opinions, where you don't hear criticism, where you don't hear other biases, you don't hear anything that could possibly offend you so that you're not offended. The only ones really who seem to be free game are Christians. It doesn't matter if Christians are offended as long as Christians don't do the offending. Christians need to keep their opinions to themselves because it might offend other people. But if other people want to offend Christians, Christians are free game. I'll give you an example. Christian Newhoff is a pastor who has turned into podcaster and blogger Um, in the the Christian realm, and and he does a lot of research on culture and leadership, and he wrote an article that I read this week called uh, Five Things, Five Cultural Trends That We Need to Understand If We're Going to Reach the West. And in there he said that he has a a non-Christian friend, an atheist, who told him, he said, Carrie, you can't tell me what to do with my body, but I can tell you what to do with the environment. You can't tell me not to sleep around, but Carrie, I can tell you not to go to SeaWorld. Why? Because SeaWorld is cruel to animals. But you, Carrie, can't tell me what to do as a Christian. And, and why is that? His non-Christian friend would say, it's just the way it is. So when's enough enough? When is enough enough. When is it time to stand up and fight, and how do Christians fight back when we're offended? 
what we're going to talk about today. And I hope I've got your attention now because we're going to learn about fighting. We're going to learn about fighting back when we're offended. And to do so, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, a little background. 1 Peter was uh, originally a letter written by the Apostle Peter around 60 A.D., and he wrote it to Christians scattered in what was known as Asia Minor. Uh, it's modern-day Turkey. And he wrote to them because Christian suffering was becoming more and more real. And so, how do Christians fight back when we suffer or when we're offended? We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Here is what he says. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears, his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Uh, 60 A.D., Suffering was ramping up for Christians in the Roman Empire, uh, and unfortunately for Christians, they didn't have uh, much le legal standing to stand on. Christians in 60 AD could have been arrested for just preaching the gospel. They could have been held without trial for as long as the Roman government wanted to hold them in prison, and they had no right to get out of it. Uh, they could have been beaten by their captors for no reason other than they just felt like beating them that day. They could have been sent to the mines and been working as slaves, and they couldn't have said anything or hired a lawyer to get out of it. Uh, they had no rights. The Roman Empire could have done whatever the Roman Empire wanted to do, and it was starting to happen. And there were some Christians who were beginning to say, enough is enough, it's time to fight back. And yet, did you notice what Peter says? He says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. If you want to know how to fight when you're offended, when you're insulted, your first point today, fight to repay evil with blessing. You and I aren't getting chased down for being Christians. Uh, we're not being arrested. None of us have the threat of being 
uh, taken as a slave and thrown into a mine to work for the government simply because we're Christian. However, the culture is shifting where Christianity isn't the dominant one anymore. The values are shifting in our country. And how is Christianity viewed from outside of the Christian circles? It's viewed as the number one controlling enemy in America. What I mean by that is people see Christianity as a a religion to control people's behavior. And because that's the view, there's aggressiveness towards Christianity. There's going to be insults that come at being Christians. And there's even a movement within Christianity and within the Christian church, and you probably see it on social media and, and the news and, and the media, uh, to stand up and fight. It's time that we get the country back. It's time to get our values back. It's time we're not going to take it anymore. And yet, do you know what the problem is? Nowhere in Scripture does it say to fight. Peter doesn't say it. He doesn't say anyway. He doesn't say to fight by standing up and fighting them and arguing with them. But he says, fight your sinful nature, fight inside yourself, fight to repay evil insults with blessings. Fight to repay evil with blessings. What are you known for? Are you known for being offended and offending? Or are you known for fighting evil and insults with blessings. What would your friends say? Your co-workers? What would your family say? What would those outside of your circles, those, those onlookers, would they say you're known for fighting evil and insults with blessings? Or would they say, you know what, that person gets offended a lot and they offend back. Nowhere in Scripture does it say to fight insult with insult. In fact, what did Jesus say? In Matthew chapter 5, what we looked at earlier. Blessed are those who fight. Blessed are those who argue. No. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. Mercy is giving someone what they don't deserve. It's not repaying them with what they deserve. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who are insulted, persecuted, and, and have all kinds of evil things said against you because of me, Jesus says. Because great is your reward in heaven. Jesus doesn't say stand up and fight them. But there is an underlying aspect of fight, isn't there? Because inside we say, I don't want to do that. If they insult me, if they offend, offend me, I want to get them back. But Jesus, Peter, God's word, says, no, 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 fight to repay evil with blessing. In that same article uh, by Kerry Newhoff, he said that outside of the church, how does outside the church view the Christian church? Not only controlling, but here are four things uh, that describe the Christian church according to non-Christians. Anti-gay, too political, hypocritical, and judgmental. What are we known for? What are you known for? 
Are you known for repaying evil with blessing? Or would we be viewed as one of these? To an extent, I believe that article. Let me explain why. Earlier this summer, I sent out a a survey on connect groups to not just our campus, but all five of our Divine Savior campuses. We have three in Florida and one outside Houston and then ours. And I just asked for feedback. Uh, I asked, what are the strengths of connect groups? What are the weaknesses? What do you like about them? What would you like to see changed, etc.? I was surprised how many people responded with this. Keep politics out of connect groups. I was surprised by how many said, if we're gathering as Christians, let's act like Christians. Let's not gossip. Let's not get drunk at these. Let's conduct ourselves as Christians. And that's from inside the church. Now imagine those viewing outside the church looking in. This is what our own people are saying about ourselves. No wonder outside the church people view us as anti-gay, too political, too hypocritical, and too judgmental. What are you known for? Repaying evil with blessing? Repaying insults for insults? Or as Peter says, are you known for doing good? Who's going to harm you? if you're eager to do good. What do you think the Christian church's reputation would be like in our country if instead of repaying evil with evil, we actually repaid it with blessing and we were eager to do good? What do you think the Christian church's reputation would be if instead of the other side of the political aisle was saying something on social media, we instead of coming back with an insult or talking about how disappointed we were, what if we were eager to do good and praise them for something, pray for them over something? What would the Christian church's reputation would, would it be if instead of just pushing policy through for pro-life, we actually were pro-life and acted on it and did good in the country and cared for all life? What would the Christian church's reputation be if we cared for orphans, if we cared for widows, if we welcomed and cared for the foreigners, all like Scripture tells us to? Do you think our reputation would be a little different? Instead, too often, the Christian church's reputation is fighting. Instead of fighting evil with blessing. You want to fight? You're offended? You want to fight? Fight inside your heart to repay evil with blessing. And I know what some of you are thinking. Stephen, we we shouldn't just be quiet though, right? There are important things going on. We We need to stand up for the truth. Yes. How? Peter tells us. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Your second point. Fight aggressiveness with gentleness and respect. Should you stand up for the truth? Yes. But how do you do it? With gentleness and respect. 
the Bible says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, the hope of eternal life, the hope knowing, the eager expectation knowing that your sins are forgiven, the hope of the resurrection, the hope that Jesus Christ crucified means we have a good relationship with God. That's hope. And it's because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us that we place ourselves under him and we listen to him. But we explain all this with gentleness and respect. We don't fight aggressiveness with aggressiveness. We fight with gentleness and respect as we give the reason for the hope that we have. Why? Well, you can be aggressive and you can win the argument, but you know what you've lost? The soul. You can win the argument by being aggressive, but you've lost the soul. How would people describe you? As gentle and respectful or aggressive? How would they say you are on social media? Gentle and respectful or aggressive? Why do we want to save the soul? Because we want to fight for restoration. We want to fight for reconciliation. The enemy is not people. The enemy is the devil and sin and death. And we fight to restore relationships. We fight to reconcile relationships. That's the whole point. We are offended and it hurts. Yes. We are insulted and it hurts. Yes. And yet... Our God is a God who wants restoration and reconciliation. After all, isn't that what he's done for you and me? As you look at the the last verse here, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. To do what? To bring you to God. We looked earlier at Isaiah chapter 43 and what did God say? You have wearied me and burdened me with your sins and offenses. Other people offend us. Other people insult us. And yet how many things do they actually do? If we actually counted, how many would we actually say, here are the offenses? 20? Maybe? And yet, how many offenses do we have against our God? Us, who reads every thought, who hears every word, who sees every action. Our offenses are many, and yet what did God do for you and me? He didn't repay evil with evil. He didn't repay insult with insult. Instead, God said, I, even I, am the one who blots out your transgressions. And how did he do it? He sent Jesus Christ, the righteous, For the unrighteous, the righteous one who never sinned, who never offended, who never did anything against God, but he was holy and perfect. And yet, what did that holy and perfect one do? He went to the cross for the unrighteous, for you and me. And when he shed his blood on the cross, he covered, he blotted out all of our offenses before God. And he takes us by the hand. And he brings us to God the Father, a restored, reconciled relationship with God 
all through grace. All through grace. This is what our God does for you and me. He fights not to repay evil with evil, not to repay insult with insult. He fights to bring you and me grace. He fights to cover our offenses. He fights to blot them out as he went to the cross to do it for you and me, to rise from the dead for eternal life. Your last point, fight division with restorative grace. Fight division with restorative grace. So much of the offensiveness in this country and being offended causes everyone to be divided over something. And that's where all the offenses come in. And yet, what do you and I get to do as Christians? We fight division with restorative grace. They don't earn it. They don't deserve it. That's grace. And that's what we give because that's what we've received. I want to read you a quote here. Uh, Brant Hansen wrote a book called Unoffendable. And here's what he said. War is not exceptional. Peace is. Worry is not exceptional. Trust is. Decay is not exceptional. Restoration is. Anger is not exceptional. Gratitude is. Selfishness is not exceptional. Sacrifice is. Defensiveness is not exceptional. Love is. And judgmentalism is not exceptional. Grace is. Being offended is ordinary. Being judgmental, defensive, participating in the decay of relationships and being divisive, that's ordinary. We as Christians get to be exceptional. We get to be grace-filled and show grace because that's what our God's done for us. Does it hurt being insulted and being offended? Absolutely. But God's grace is more and God's grace can heal the hurt that we have. And as we go back to God's grace and remember how he's covered our sin, it motivates us to be grace-filled. Let's not be ordinary. Be exceptional. And to be exceptional, show grace. Because it's what's been given to us. We have an exceptional God who's given us grace after grace after grace. And so let's bring that grace to our relationships. Let's bring it to other people and cover their offenses when they offend you. And if you're hurting, dive into Scripture. Go to Jesus. Because he can heal every single broken heart that we have. And we will be filled with his grace to show grace. God be with us as we fight, but we fight to repay evil with blessing. We fight aggressiveness with gentleness and respect, and we fight division with restorative grace because that's what our God has done for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are a God who knows nothing but grace. Grace after grace after grace is what you've given us. Uh, Our sins are many, your grace is more. Uh, If you were to keep a record of sins, who could stand? And yet, you don't. Instead, you've blotted out all of our transgressions, all of our offenses against you. uh, Because that's what you do. We thank you for the grace through Jesus, the righteous for the unrighteous, uh, to do one thing, and that is to bring us to you, to restore our relationship with you, to cover our offenses, uh, so that we can stand in your presence forever. Uh, Lord, we live in a, a world where uh, yeah, there, there's more and more insults 
to Christians, and it can be offensive to us. And yet, help us not to be offended, but instead, remember your restorative grace, uh, and let us show that grace to this world. Uh, Let us fight back evil with blessing, just like you've done for us. Let us fight back aggressiveness, aggressiveness with gentleness and respect, like you've done for us. And then let's fight division uh, with restorative grace, which is exactly what you've done for us. We thank you for Jesus and all that you've done for us through him, his life, death, and resurrection to blot out all of our transgressions. We now stand holy and perfect in your sight, and now we have a great relationship with you because you took the initiative. Help us not to wait for someone else uh, to take the initiative. Help us to show that restorative grace because that's what you want, reconciliation and restoration. Let us be filled with your grace that we may show grace more and more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.